Hello, gardeners, farmers, compost enthusiasts, and growers. Welcome to The Healthy Garden, the show where soil is important and growing a healthier world is job one. Hello, growers of soil. Today we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, soil. (laughs) I'm going to start with a couple of quotes. To forget how to dig the earth and how to tend the soil is to forget ourselves. Gandhi. And another one I like is the nation that destroys its soil destroys itself. That's from FDR, the 32nd president of the United States. Today, we're going to talk and look at safety of soil and what does that actually mean, Uh, whether it's from what's in the soil in our home, uh, what's in the farmer's soil that we eat from, what's in the bag soil that we buy, what's in the landfill stuff that we might get for free. Most of us grow in soil, right? Most of us buy food from farmers who grow in soil. We're not all buying hydroponic food. Most of us buy soil at the nursery or at the garden center at least a couple of times a year. But what's in it? Is it healthy? Is it natural? Is it organic? Is it safe? It's something that we should concern ourselves with because it affects how we live where we live, what we do, what we buy, what our kids eat, all of the animals around us, everything. We should be concerned, or at least be thinking about, is our soil safe? And that, my gardening pals, is exactly what we are going to ping pong back and forth on today. Hi, it's Norma, a biological farmer and the producer of the Healthy Garden podcast. In 2010, I was co-creating a community garden for 55 families to grow their own food. A man named Kip Wood founded the land, and we went right to it. We cleared the site of weeds and debris and built the raised beds and placed them with the help of many community organizations, including the Los Angeles Conservation Corps, the Urban Permaculture House, better known as the Up House, the Venice Youth Build, and the Joyful Activists. During that time, I had learned about the importance of testing the soil and how most of the toxins are found at the top five inches of soil. So we decided to go ahead and test. To our surprise and heartache, the testing revealed very high amounts of lead and arsenic. So we decided to dig down one foot into the beds and placed all the dugout soil into the center of the garden to be hauled away later. We wanted to make sure that the soil was clean now of toxins, so we tested again one foot down. When we got the results back, we were devastated. 
They revealed even higher counts of lead and arsenic. So we removed one more foot of soil and in total had 180 tons of toxic soil removed from the garden, which at that point in time was the only solution that we knew to do. We didn't know about the biological remediation and we didn't know about phytoremediation until much later. We were curious though how all these toxins got in there. So we looked up the history of the land and found out that a little railroad called the Venice Miniature Railway ran through that little patch of land from 1905 to 1925, giving way to the very toxic soil. So, find out what the history of your land is and in your home or future home, and always test your soil before growing in anything. Even Shakespeare knew the value of soil. In Act 1, Scene 3 of Hamlet, when Laertes and his sister Ophelia enter the scene and are discussing how Hamlet is tied to his birthright and that his love for her will pass, and now no soil nor coddle doth besmirch the virtue of his will, but you must fear his greatness weighed. His will is not his own, for he himself is subject to his birth, he may not, as unvalued persons do, carve for himself, for on his choice depends the safety and health of this whole state, and therefore must choice be circumscribed unto the voice yielding of that body, whereof he is the head, than if he says he loves you. To me, soil is the most important thing on this planet, as well as clean seed, clean water, sun, and a healthy pollinator population. Without it, we're doomed. Life is soil and soil is life. The top soil or top six inches of this planet is where life begins for us in terms of food, health, and sustenance. My dear pals at Merriam-Webster, they sent me this over this morning. They define topsoil, a noun, as surface soil usually including the organic layer in which plants have most of their roots and which the farmer turns over in plowing. What is important to me about that definition is the use of organic layer and roots. The roots are in this top layer of soil and draw all of their nutrient out of this area of the soil. What the plants are drawing up into them is key to us just as much as what is in the soil and what can also be drawn up into the plants. As far as soil at home goes, most of us live in places where the land has been cut and filled for development. What was the land before it was our home? Was it a mountain with nothing on it? Was it a swamp or marshland that was pristine or could it have been an estuary of runoff from farms or from industry? Was it an industrial site? Was it farmland? I see so many areas in California now that were farmland, conventional farmland that is now being cut and scraped and compacted for housing tracks or for giant warehousing operations. 
This has a massive impact on all of us. Our health, the, the water, the air, the soil of our home environment is dramatically affected by all of this. This is the reason that I suggest you do a little homework before you buy, you rent, or you move. And once you've moved, that you do some testing. At every one of my classes, I ask, how many of you guys have tested your soil? Less than 20% of the people raise their hands. And that's out of thousands of people that we've done classes with have actually tested their soil at home. I suggest that to, to them and to you that everybody tests their soil every year in their plots, at their homes, their farms, or their gardens, and not just a base soil test, which is good because that'll tell you the pH of your soil, what the heavy metal counts are, the nutrient profiles, those are all very important. But also, what they don't tell you is about the toxins from chemicals in your soil. Homeowners, all, all of you guys should know, is there something there that it could be dangerous to your health? Common contaminants in urban soils include pesticides, petroleum, radon, asbestos, lead, uh, creosote. So they come from manufacturing, industrial dumping, land development, local waste disposal, and excessive pesticide or fertilized use. Right now, I want to talk about the local waste disposal. Some of the stuff that goes into landfill, it comes from our green bins and it's called, you know, recycled green waste. And if you've been following our show at all, um, I have told you guys, I'm never a fan of using green waste um, from a recycling facility. Um, my example is the Mr. Wilson example from Dennis the Menace. Mr. Wilson never had a plant that had a disease or a bug or a something that he didn't spray with something to get rid of it. He wanted immediate gratification. So here's what happened with him. He sprayed his stuff. All of, He got rid of his problem, he thought. And then that plant died. And then he picked up that plant and he put that plant into the green bin. And guess who got that afterwards? You did if you got anything with green, uh, green waste recycling in it. And that's how it works. So don't buy it. Don't use it. It's no bueno. World War II, gardeners have been forced to use chemical and synthetic products that are destroying our health and our planet. So, Malibu Compost created a line of true organic soil products that are farm-made and non-GMO to help you grow healthy soil and restore our planet. So let's look at uh, what you can do to make sure that your soil is safe. 
you know, go back to what I said originally, which is you can research your property, you know, what was it, and then you can test. Now, if you get your test back, if you do a toxicology panel and you've got a lot of toxins there, a lot of heavy metals there, mostly the toxicology panel, what you can do is you can do a couple of things. You really need to ask yourself some hard questions where are, hey, if it's really super toxic, do I move? Uh, and that could be the best course of action. The second thing you could think about is, can I actually remediate my home or my garden or my farm? And the third thing you can think about is, how long is that actually going to take? And I can tell you from experience, you can remediate toxic soil situations. You can do a combination of bioremediation using microbes to break down toxins, or you can use phytoremediation, which is using plants to break down toxins in the soil. And they both work great. Sometimes a combination works well. We've done that on several different properties that we've worked on. And what we realized was, hey, these properties or that specific property had been using chemicals and synthetic fertilizers for the entire time, a lot of heavy salts. And when we got to different sites, we looked at to see what was growing, what wasn't growing, what was the consistency of the soil. We took soil tests. And what it told us is we were bereft of biology. Most of those places did not have the biology in there that you would think you'd have on a farm site. So what we would do is we would come back in and start adding biology into the soil in the forms of compost and compost teas and some other biological inoculants. And over time, what happens is the microbes will break down the toxins um, through mineralization and through oxidation and release those toxins that are bound up in the soil. It works. It's not a quick fix. Just I want you guys to realize that is not a quick way to fix it. So you, if you're at a place that's really super toxic, just if you can, get out. If you can fix it, take the time because what you'll see is at the end of year one, you'll start to see a change. By the end of year two, you'll start to see the biology of that soil really start to change and the complexity start to change. And by year three, you'll actually be able to pick up soil that feels alive and it'll continue to grow from that point forward. The other thing that I highly recommend not doing and I talked about this earlier, is getting free compost. So if you have a waste management company or a waste management facility that offers you free compost and you're part of a garden society or a garden club or a gardening group, unless you absolutely know what's in that stuff, if it comes from a conventional waste management system or recycling system, I do not recommend that you use it. I've seen a lot of places take free compost that are, that are places that shouldn't be taking stuff that could have any toxins in them, like a, uh, a children's garden at school, at a community garden where an entire community is growing food and they think they're doing a great thing, and they don't realize that the, that the soil that they're putting into or the compost that they're putting into their beds is toxic. So it's something that I always look at the old adage of you get what you pay for. If something is free, generally especially if it's coming from a, a, a city site. It's definitely not something I would do. I would call that under the category of no bueno. The next thing you can do is, and that would be number four on my list of things you can actually do, inputs. Look at your inputs. 
Uh, we never, and if you listen to the show, you've heard me say this before, we never use conventional ag inputs like bone meal, blood meal, or feather meal. And why don't we use those? Because those all come from GMO crops. And those GMO crops are all sprayed with glyphosate, so they're Roundup ready. Those residues stay on the plant, the stem and leaf structure of those plants. The animals eat that. Then it goes into their digestive system and into their blood system. Then what happens is they poop it out. We, if you're getting a compost or a soil that has any of that stuff in it, then what's happening is it's now being transferred to you. It's going into your soil. The microbes in your soil break down that stuff. And if you're growing a food garden, let's say, you're growing raised beds, then what happens is the microbes are breaking down that organic matter. That stuff gets uptaken into the plants. You eat it. And then it gets into your bloodstream and into your body. And that's what's happening. So... For that reason, we don't ever use anything that has conventional ag waste in it. The other thing that we don't use that's conventional ag waste that you see in things is um, cottonseed meal. There's there's a, a lot of cottonseed meal grown in America. Most of it is not organic, and we don't recommend using it because of the pesticide, heavy pesticide use that is in, in cottonseed meal. One of the things that happens, which is unfortunate, is that a lot of times things are labeled as organic, and they may even be organic or coming from an organic farm. In our situation, we actually work with organic farms that are really organic. The animals are fed the highest grade of feed. Um, The care for the animals is is of the highest care, and everything is grown without sprays and herbicides and pesticides. So we're seeing that it can be done, but unfortunately, because the way our NOP rules are written today, you can actually have some stuff that's labeled organic that really still comes from conventional ag, and so it isn't necessarily as clean as I would like it to be, or that we hope someday it'll be, and that just means you guys have to do some more research. Back in 2018, the New York Times posted an article about how traces of glyphosate were getting found in, you know, Cheerios and breakfast food and foods, and it became a big thing. People were talking about it. How did it get there? It got there because the other thing that they do with glyphosate is they use it as what's called a desiccant or a drying agent, and it's sprayed on a lot of crops prior to harvest, millions of acres of wheat, of oats, lentils, peas, uh, soybeans, Corn, flax, rye, buckwheat, millet, canola, sugar beets, and even potatoes are sprayed with glyphosate every year. And in some cases, we've heard from the National Sunflower Association, there's been evidence that even some of the sunflowers that you see that show up in the uh, supermarkets and stuff for sale, they've even been sprayed prior to harvest. It's To me, that's scary stuff. So think about that. Think about if you are using and and buying any of those things that are conventional that may have been sprayed with Roundup as a desiccant. And think about that if you are composting, which a lot of people do, and I see it on Facebook and in different groups, a lot of people are using those things, those food scraps in their compost. Is there toxins in, in that food waste? Is that toxin going to be transferred onto you, to your soil, into the things that you're growing? Very well could be. So what do we do? We recommend that when you're buying stuff, 
especially like at the nursery, you turn the box over, you flip the bag over to see, you know, what's in there. If you're buying a bag soil or you're buying a soil amendment or a gardening or amendment, you know, looking to see what exactly is in there. Does it contain any of these top 10 ingredients that are cheap and easy to get? And in my opinion, yucky. Do they have green waste compost in them? One. Do they have composted chicken manure in them? Do they have pelletized chicken manure in them? That's three. And number four, that stinky old steer manure. And steer manure is not organic dairy cow manure, okay? Steer manure comes from male cows that are at slaughter yards, CAFO yards going to slaughter. Not the same thing as an organic dairy cow who is living on an organic pasture. The fifth thing is alfalfa meal, because you have a lot of alfalfa meal out there. Most of the alfalfa grown in the United States and around the world, for that matter, is not non-GMO alfalfa. Cottonseed meal, for the reasons I mentioned before. Soy meal, it has to be non-GMO organic soy meal. We don't use blood meal, bone meal, or feather meal because they come from conventional ag. They come from the rendering plants that is a nice way that the whole industry wrapped up taking stuff that comes from animals that have been slaughtered and creating brand new products out of the livestock industry. And I hate that word livestock. It's a, it's a, it's a, the conventional way that we do it um, has this whole offshoot of you get all of these products that are made out of those poor animals. And not only the way they live, but the stress, the anxiety, the tension with which those animals have lived, you don't want that in your, in your soil. You don't want it in your garden. And I, and I feel uh, very strongly about that. You want to bring as positive of an energy into your garden as you can. The last thing I want to talk about in terms of soil is mulching. You know, and I, I, I like mulch. We use a lot of shredded leaf mulch. We like using organic straws of mulch, um, uh, you know, or a chip straw. A lot of people use straw as a mulch cover. I see it all over the place, you know, in different gardening groups. And, and people ask me all the time in gardening classes about it. And I say, great, it has to be organic because guess what? Guess what they use as a desiccant before they cut straw? I think you know the answer to that. So remember, guys, your soil is precious. It's one of the greatest and most, most sacred things on this earth. Take care of your soil, grow your soil, and stay away from the chemical and synthetic and faux organic fertilizers and all the toxins we discussed today so that you can grow healthy soil and you can help heal and restore our planet. That concludes this episode of the Healthy Garden Podcast. Please post your questions on the Healthy Garden Podcast pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join us next week to learn more about how you can free yourself from the chemical and synthetic trap that's been set to keep you from growing a true, organic, and healthy garden. Until then, happy and healthy gardening.